Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to On Point with Bishop Robert G. Rudolph. On Point, keeping you focused in the right direction. I'm your facilitator. This is Mr. Speaker. Please visit the Bishop's website at robertgrudolph.org. There you can listen to previous podcasts and stay informed of what's going on in the world of the Bishop. Um, If we ask any questions today and we open up the floor, please keep your questions related to today's topic and today we're gonna kick off another series and we're gonna deal with the seven last sayings of christ the seven last sayings of christ and bishop i'm doing great here in tallahassee a little overcast today but how are you doing today brother i am doing fine on this wonderful day and this truly is the day that the lord has made and i am going to rejoice and be glad in it mr speaker Oh, I am so glad that you are here and we can can both rejoice. I know we were talking briefly before we got started and you got a great day going. You can shout right now. (laughs) Yes, sir. All right. Yes, sir. Yeah. And so today we're going to begin this whole, this series with the seven last sayings moving all the way from forgiveness all the way through to joy. And so I want you to start us off today with prayer and then take us on this journey as Jesus hung on the cross and his seven last sayings. Father, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for the opportunity to come and to minister a word via this podcast. Now, God, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. 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 Well, Mr. Speaker, we are in the Lenten season. And it is the time for us to think about over the next 40 days, well, a little less now uh, than 40 days, in the next, uh, say, 30 or so days. Uh, The Lenten season started with Ash Wednesday, and now we are in the middle of our Lenten season. And during this time, it's a time for us to really search ourselves. When I was growing up, As a child in the sanctified church, they used to sing a song, Lord, turn your searchlight on. (laughs) And if you find anything in me that shouldn't be, take it out and strengthen me, straighten me. So that's what we need to do during this particular period of time. It's a time for self-reflection. It's a time for us to really look at the life of Christ and compare ourselves with his life and the things that he did. Because oftentimes we say, I want to be more like Jesus. Well, in order to be more like Jesus, there are a lot of, there's a lot of sacrificing that must be done. So with that being said, I am going to deal specifically over the next few weeks with Jesus Christ being on the cross of Calvary because it was the cross and what happened at the cross that gives us freedom and liberty and redemption Today And the fact that he was raised from the dead helps us to understand what it's like and what life is like. Well, one of the first things, there are seven, seven things that Jesus, seven statements that Jesus made on the cross of Calvary. And the very first one I want to deal with on today, it is found in the gospel according to St. Luke. And I want those people who might have their Bibles go to the 23rd chapter of the gospel according to St. Luke. And let's look at the 30, uh, let's say the 33rd, 
through the 34th verse, and you'll find these words recorded. Again, Luke 23, 33, and 34. It says this, And when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. And in verse 34, it tells us the first thing that Jesus uttered while he was on the cross. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I want to talk about forgiveness today, Mr. Speaker, and I want to talk about how Jesus dealt with forgiveness on the cross of Calvary. Now, let me paint the picture. Jesus had just left what we now know as the last disciples with, or excuse me, the last supper with his disciples. Interestingly enough, Jesus had dinner with the man who was going to go and go to those individuals who wanted to get rid of him. As a matter of fact, this man had already sold Jesus out. He had already sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. And he was at the table. Now, you talk about spending time and eating with the enemy. That's a powerful situation. And Jesus knew that the person, that Judas was going to be the one who was going to turn him over, but he still chose him for a specific reason and for a specific purpose. And so Judas was at the table. Judas ate with Jesus and his disciples, knowing that in just a few moments he was going to go and find those individuals who wanted to get rid of Jesus, and he was going to lead them to the Garden of Gethsemane. Well, with that being said, Jesus had just had his Last Supper with the disciples, and he told them that one of you will betray me. And all of them said, is it I? Is it I? Is it I? Well, you all know the story. Jesus told Judas, uh, whatever you're going to do, you need to go and do it quickly. And uh, he had the Last Supper with them. He blessed the bread and he, he broke that bread. And then he also blessed the wine. And he told them that this was going to be symbolic. The, the bread was going to be symbolic of his body, which was going to be destroyed. And that the wine was symbolic of his blood. And so it was just a powerful moment. But uh, long story short, Jesus, after being in the Garden of Gethsemane, after praying, and his disciples fell asleep on it, and after praying, and Jesus went, and Judas came along with several people to betray Jesus. And the Bible says that he kissed Jesus to betray him, because the one that I kiss is the one that is the Christ. Well, they took Jesus from judgment hall to judgment hall. They beat him. They spit on him. They really put him through anguish. And while he was on the cross of Calvary, while they put those nails, they, they literally nailed his hands and nailed his feet and put him on the cross and dropped his cross in the ground. And while they were jeering, now, remember, this was the same crowd just a few days before that was saying that he was the son of David, that he was the savior. He was going to be their king and uh, that he was going to be the leader because they thought he had his kingdom here on this earth. 
The same crowd that jeered him was the same crowd, or the same crowd that cheered him, rather, was the same crowd that was jeering him now. And as he was being spit upon, as he was beating, being beaten, because the Bible tells us that he was beat to a pulp before he even had to carry his own cross. And the Bible also records him saying, looking out at everyone and looking at those people that were tearing him down, he looked out and I would imagine that he just sighed. And one of the first things he did was he asked forgiveness for those people who were doing terrible things to him. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's powerful, Mr. Speaker. It's powerful. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Jesus was made out of something that many of us aren't made out of today. Oh, most definitely showing true um, forgiveness. And so he, he addresses the father here. I mean, really crying out to him and he's saying, father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. When we really look at this, this has to be someone who is unselfish, not really caring about being vindictive, but saying, hey, I'm going to take this. Just forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. And that, that, well, that, is, that is something. And so when we look at this, if we were to really break this down, who is the them in this bishop? Father, forgive them. Who could we look at and say, who are the ones he's asking for forgiveness for? Well, Pastor, that's a very good question. Very good question. Who is he asking forgiveness for? Well, I think that he was asking forgiveness for all of us, but particularly those individuals who had something to do with his death and him dying or being put on the cross. The Bible tells us that Jesus gave of his life. He didn't fight it. He gave of himself. And because at any time he could have called down a legion of angels to uh, take care of the situation, but he wanted to die so that he could be the ultimate sacrifice for each and every one of us, including those people who had nailed him to the cross, including those people who had beat, up, beat him and spit on him, including Judas, who was a disciple that he had chosen himself. So I think he was talking about all of us, but specifically those individuals who were responsible for him being on the cross of Calvary. That, that to me, it is just a powerful thing because up front, up first, he wanted to make sure that they were forgiven. And that is a very merciful Savior. That is a very graceful person because he wanted them to be forgiven. Before he closed his eyes in death, before he closed his eyes and, and before he gave his last breath, he wanted to make sure that they were forgiven. Forgive my enemies. Forgive those who are doing me wrong. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. They are ignorant of what they're doing. In actuality, this was a master plan because by him dying, it was really to lead him to the grave so that he could be risen again on the third day. But they thought that they were getting rid of him. But in actuality, they were helping him to make sure that we would be redeemed. So to answer your question, Mr. Speaker, I think he specifically was talking about, in, in general to all, but specifically talking about those individuals who were responsible for him being up on the cross 
at that time. Excellent, Bishop. We often hear the, the, the statement that, you know, I want to conform to the image of your son. This is an image that I do believe a lot of us have a challenge with conforming to. Here, Jesus is on the cross. People were doing stuff to him. He didn't even deserve it. And he was saying, Father, forgive them. What does this mean for us? And what does it mean to truly forgive, Bishop? Well, it means for us that Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. And if those people did that to Jesus, and if he was able to forgive them, then it is a lesson for us today, no matter what people do against us. And, and this is a very powerful statement that I'm about to make, because as a human being, it's very difficult for you to even think that you would have to forgive somebody at that level. Uh, forgiving in this instance was not like forgiving someone because they forgot something. But he was forgiving some people who knew, they knew that they were tearing him down, but they didn't realize what they were doing. They knew the action, but they did not know the result of the action. I would hate to be in judgment one day, and I was one of the ones who nailed his hands to the cross. I would hate to be in judgment on uh, one day and be one of the ones who spat on him. That's to me, that's powerful. But he even though he knew what they were going to do before they do it, before they did it, even though he knew how they were going to destroy him or try in their minds to destroy him, Jesus still asked for forgiveness. So so I would just say that your, your question leads me to, to say that he forgave them for what they did, but also he set the stage for a greater redemption. And that's what I'm exciting and enjoying uh, on today. Praise God, setting the stage for greater redemption. I mean, he's forgiving them, but his ultimate sacrifice, he died for us so that we could be forgiven of our sins. And looking at this word forgive and looking at what's going on, I'm reminded of a conversation in the Bible when Jesus was posed a question, how many times should I forgive? My brother, how many times? And Jesus said seven times 70. And so when we look at that phrase and we look at what Jesus said, why is it so hard for us as individuals to forgive Bishop? Well, because it's human nature. Human nature says that if you talk about me, I'm going I'm going to talk about you. If you fight me, I'm going to fight you. If you hurt my feelings. I'm going to hurt your feelings. I may not get you today. I may not get you tomorrow, but somewhere down the line, I am going to remember what you did and I'm going to get you back. Well, brothers and sisters, the Bible tells us if we want to be more like Jesus, we have to be more forgiving. And for us to say it and not do it is the danger. So we have to say it and do it. If we want to be more like Jesus, we have to be more forgiving. Even Though people, other people are at fault, we still have to forgive them, even though they are ignorant of what they're doing and how they're hurting us. We still have to forgive them. And in order for us to be more like Jesus, we have to be more forgiving. That means taking the nature, our born nature out of us and forgiving people, because just a human being is not going to want to forgive somebody if they've done something if they've done something against them it's hard to turn the other cheek 
that that's hard to do. It's just very hard to do that. So I am here saying today that we have to forgive, even though it is hard for us to do it. We have to forgive because the Bible says, and I'm paraphrasing this, if we cannot forgive those that we see each and every day, how can the Father see and forgive us? That's powerful. So we have to forgive. If, if we want forgiveness vertically, if we want to go to God and say, God, forgive me, then we have to forgive horizontally. We have to forgive those people who are around us each and every day and who are doing things to hurt us. If we want forgiveness through God in heaven, we have to forgive those people here on earth. If we don't forgive, are there any detriments outside of not being forgiven by the father? Because you can hold a grudge against people and they're continuing on with your life, but it's eating away at you. This whole concept of unforgiveness, could it be, I'm just going to say a health hazard, Bishop? Oh, I believe so. Absolutely. I believe that's why people get sick with uh, various diseases. I believe that's why people have high blood pressure. People are dealing with some issues in their body simply because they can't let it go. You have to let it go. In order for you to receive a clearance, in order for you to have a good life, in order for you to, to relax about something, you have to let it go. And that might mean going to that person and saying, I forgive you. I am sorry for something that I might have said or done, or I forgive you. You have to do it because, again, if you don't, it can create a problem on the inside of you. You're holding all of this on the inside. That's why people are sick, I believe, and that's why people have deal with uh, blood pressure issues because they can't let it go. Just let it go. And when you do that, now it's, it's easier said than done, but when you do that, when you let it go, then God is able to help you to get over it uh, because then you can move forward with your life and not worry about that anymore. Bishop, I'm going to ask you a tough question now. I'm going to give you a chance. This, this is a tough one because here we see Jesus on the cross, never did anything wrong, and he says, Father, forgive them, and it just rolls off like it's nothing for him. It just rolls off, and I stand back and I say, well, it was easy for him. He was God the God man. So it was easy for him to do it. And we always say we got to do it. But Bishop, help me with the how. How do I do this? How do I let it go? Because I know you said it's difficult, but how do I do it? How? Well, brother, you just have to realize that if you don't, you're in danger of not having an eternity with God. I want you to think about that for a minute. Because the Bible tells us that if we cannot forgive our brother that we see each and every day, then God might have a problem in forgiving us for what we have done against him. Whether it's you or my relationship with God, guess what? I want to make sure that my relationship with God is clear. That's what I want. I want that to be clear. Now, again, it's not easy to forgive. Let, let me make it perfectly perfectly crystal clear. It is not easy to forgive. No, it's not. Especially when you have been hurt uh, in the church, you have been hurt by other individuals. It, it is very difficult for you to forgive. But if you don't, you are in danger of not having eternity in heaven because the Bible tells us that if you want your father to forgive you, 
you have to forgive others. So to me, I don't want to go, I don't want to mess, I, I don't want to miss eternity with God over something like that. So to me, that's more important than how I feel. Let it go. That's that's just it. Let it go. Let it go. It's not about the feelings. Well, Bishop, I'm so glad you broke that down real good on today. At this time, we're going to open up the floor for questions. Is there anyone who has a question related to today's topic for the bishop? Well, there's silence. That means they, they, they're getting a good understanding on today, Bishop. With this first saying of Christ of the, the last seven, forgiveness, bring us home with it today, Bishop. Well, again, Jesus was in a very precarious situation. He had just spent the last few moments with his disciples, and they had dinner. And while he was at dinner, one of the enemies that would turn him over to others was there eating dinner with him before he actually did this act. Now, I'm quite certain that Judas had already made uh, some type of provision with those people that he wanted to give Jesus to. He had already received the 30 pieces of silver. He had already made his plans, but he could have easily at any time not done that, but he did. He did it anyhow. And for Jesus to have his last supper with this particular disciple and then go to the Garden of Gethsemane, pray to his father and say, Father, I want this bitter cup to pass from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And while he's on the cross of Calvary, after having to carry his cross, after having being sent from judgment hall to judgment hall, after having dealt with all of that anguish and pain, and before he gave up the ghost, one of the things that he said initially is, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. To me, it took a lot of power and a lot of love for him to do that. That was a powerful statement that he made from the cross of Calvary. And each and every one of us, we have to be willing to make a powerful statement and say, Father, please forgive those people who are doing things against me because they really don't know what they're doing. It, you have to reach way down in order to do it, but it can be done and just get over it. We have to in order for us to have eternal life with Jesus Christ, our Savior. Thank you so very much, um, Bishop, for that uh, excellent response and summary of today's lesson. Um, we had someone to come to the floor afterwards. Um, Colleen, did you have something that you wanted to ask the bishop on today? All right. Well, all right. Well, you've been listening to On Point with Bishop Robert G. Rudolph. On Point, keeping you focused in the right direction. I want to let everybody know, please visit the bishop's website at Robert G. Rudolph. Dot org, robertgrudolph.org. That's where you can find previous episodes of the podcast. Also, the podcast is broadcasting on the Apple platform. So please share it with your family and your friends. And please meet us back here next week as we continue this series, The Seven Last Sayings of Christ. Once again, you've been listening to On Point with Bishop Robert G. Rudolph. On Point, keeping you focused in the right direction.